It's 5.09. This is Atlanta's Evening News with Eric Erickson here on WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750, wsb talk Hope you guys had a great weekend. Let's get into the news because I have been on the phones. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I I have been on the phones, but we have had just weird phone problems. Uh, In our neck of the woods, the AT&T hub near us had uh, serious failure points, apparently a fire. I still have a landline. I do so many radio interviews. Our landline and our cell phones uh, in the neighborhoods around me have all just been... Uh, screwed up. Nonetheless, I was able to spend some time on the phones talking to a number of people, including a couple senators, some folks from the White House, and uh, people familiar with the ongoing special prosecutor investigation, the Mueller investigation. And they all tell me, people inside the White House and people outside the White House, uh, senators, uh, White House staffers, and people familiar with the Mueller investigation, they all tell me that they believe and have reasonable reason for believing that most of, if not all of the leaks are actually coming from the White House staff, not from Mueller's investigation. In fact, the two senators I've spoken to uh, who would know have been very straightforward that they are under the uh, impression that every leak thus far has come from the White House. And one of the people I spoke to who has a who has very good knowledge of what's going on in the Mueller investigation. I can't tell you how I know he does, um, but he does have very good knowledge of what's happening with the Mueller investigation. And he tells me the Mueller investigation team, they're not even looking at what the media has been talking about. They haven't even been looking at the Donald Trump Jr. stuff. In fact, I am told reliably that the Mueller team did not even consider the Donald Trump Jr. meeting until after he released his emails last week. And that caused them to pivot, and they have assigned some people to look into that. Uh, but they're keeping their eye focused on a particular issue. And I, I want to explain to you as best I can, what the issue appears to be. But to do that, we've got to get in a time machine, and we've got to go back to 2000, uh, when was it? To the San Bernardino terrorist attack. San Bernardino terrorist. Yes, I'm Googling. Uh, When was that? Um, 2015. Yeah, December 2nd, 2015. We've got to go back to that. The reason we have to go back to the San Bernardino terrorist attack is because there was an interesting phenomenon that happened. The day of the terrorist attack in San Bernardino, that December in 2015, a Twitter account leaked the name of the shooter and copied members of the press on it. This Twitter account purported to be a local person from San Bernardino listening to police radio and had heard the name mentioned. Now, shortly before this had happened, if you'll remember, uh, the Turks had accidentally shot down a Russian military jet. And then the day of the San Bernardino attack in 2015, this person who was listening to police band radio and tweeting out to members of the media 
tweeted out the name of the suspect. And though it meant nothing to anyone in the United States, it meant everything to people in Turkey. Because the name the person tweeted out that went viral on the media was even announced, I believe it was CNN that read the name, it was the nickname of the Turkish president. And people started digging into this Twitter account, and they realized that this Twitter account had not actually tweeted before. The Twitter account had been around since 2009, but it had never tweeted before. But that wasn't even the first time that this had happened. And there's people are playing the Internet. Back in 2015, in June of 2015, the New York Times did a story, and they called it, the title of it was The Agency, and it has everything to do with Jared Kushner, even though at the time the New York Times wrote about it, they didn't realize it. So this agency story from the New York Times, let me read you an excerpt of this. Around 8.30 in the morning on September 11th, 2014, Deval Arthur, director of the Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness for St. Mary Parish, Louisiana, got a call from a resident who'd received a disturbing text message. Toxic fume hazard warning in the area till 1.30 p.m. Take shelter, check local media, and columbiachemical.com. St. Mary Parish is home to many processing plants for chemicals and natural gas and keeping track of dangerous accidents at the plants is Arthur's job. But he hadn't heard about a chemical release that morning. In fact, he hadn't even heard of Columbia Chemical. St. Mary Parish had a Colombian chemicals plant, which made carbon black, a petroleum product used in rubber and plastics, but he'd heard nothing from them that morning either. Other residents started calling. Arthur worried. Had one of his employees sent out an alert without telling him. If Arthur had checked Twitter... He might have become much more worried. Hundreds of Twitter accounts were documenting a disaster right down the road. A powerful explosion heard from miles away happened at a chemical plant in Centerville, Louisiana. Hashtag Colombian chemicals, a man named John Merrick tweeted. The Colombian chemicals hashtag was full of eyewitness accounts of the horror. Anna Rusella shared an image of the flames engulfing the plant. Sierra 12 posted a video of surveillance footage from a local gas station capturing the flash of the explosion. Others shared a video in which thick black smoke rose in the distance. Dozens of journalists, media outlets, and politicians from Louisiana to New York City found their Twitter accounts inundated with messages about the disaster. Heather, I'm sure that the explosion at the hashtag Colombian chemicals is really dangerous. Louisiana is really screwed now, a user tweeted. Eric PPP tweeted at the New Orleans Times-Picayune reporter Heather Nolan. Another posted a screenshot of CNN's homepage showing that the story had already made national news. ISIS had claimed credit for the attack, according to a YouTube video. And it was all fake. It was all made up. Interestingly enough, after the Colombian chemicals attack, many of those exact same accounts started talking about an Ebola outbreak in Atlanta. There were fake news reports and videos. Hashtag Ebola in Atlanta trended in the Atlanta area. We had people calling in this program at the time. After the patients had come back from West Africa were being treated at Emory at the CDC, we had people calling in panic. They had heard about an Ebola outbreak in Atlanta. They wanted details. All of these stories were false, and they all came from a building in St. Petersburg, Russia, with a bunch of Twitter trolls. Now, fast forward to 2016. Many of the accounts that were at one point tweeting about the San Bernardino attack or the Colombian chemical spill or the Ebola in Atlanta, they went dormant again after those. And then in 2016, they were all Trump supporters. 
I've talked about it on this program before in 2016. If you said anything critical about President Trump on the Internet, your Twitter account would be inundated with trolls, many of them clearly Twitter bots, many of them clearly not engaged in politics. Some of them accounts that had been dormant since 2007 or 2008 suddenly springing to life after President Trump announced he was running for president and they were diehard Trumpists, people who put up an account years ago, never used them until the president became and a candidate. It would seem rather suspicious. And many of them were active when it was daytime in Moscow and nighttime here. It was a very curious pattern. And in fact, that pattern has gone on now for, well, the last year. The Twitter trolls are still at it. And this is what the FBI and the Mueller investigators are looking into. Did Jared Kushner pay Russians, coordinate with them to build a Twitter troll, social media troll army for the president? Oh, but there's much more to it. I'll tell you what else they're looking into when we come back. Twenty-six after the hour, it's Eric Erickson here, News 955 AM 750 WSB on Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number. I guess I should give you that now. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Back to Jared Kushner and the special prosecutor's investigation. So what I'm being told, if you're just tuning in, uh, there was a New York Times story back in 2015 about the Russian troll organization. And that, that's the only way I can describe it. They call the agency. It's in St. Petersburg. And essentially anyone around the world can hire this agency. But it's also used by the Russian government to spread propaganda and disinformation and scare people. And they've harnessed social media, particularly Twitter and Facebook, to convince people that things are not so. So, for example, uh, one of the examples the New York Times gave was a chemical spill in Louisiana. Louisiana that never happened, but these trolls had doctored CNN footage, uh, doctored he- screenshot headlines from the New York Times and elsewhere, started a hashtag campaign, even hacked a uh, automated uh, text messaging server in the area to send out push alerts to people warning about a chemical spill. Uh, people were harassing reporters to try to get them to cover it, and it was all false. It was fake. It was all made up. In 2016, this started happening uh, both with negative stories about Hillary Clinton, positive stories about Donald Trump, and then defenses of Donald Trump. If a reporter said anything critical of the president, they could expect their Twitter account for about 48 hours would be unusable by a bunch of accounts of people who had never been on Twitter before. Suddenly, there were rabid, diehard Donald Trump fans. And so one of the things that the special prosecutors are looking into is, did the Trump campaign pay this Russian group to run a propaganda and disinformation campaign for them. Essentially, did Jared Kushner authorize the building of a Twitter troll army for President Trump's campaign? And if so, was it disclosed? If it was disclosed on the campaign finance disclosures, no, there's no harm, no foul. But if it wasn't disclosed, and that seems to be the implication is that this was done off the books with another source of funds, that's illegal. But then there's something else 
that Kushner's alleged to have done that they're looking into as well. When we come back, uh, ties to Cambridge Analytica and the Russians. This appears to be where the special prosecutor is looking. It has nothing to do with all the inane ramblings of people in the press today. And by the way, it really has nothing to do with the president, just his campaign. Thirty-nine after the hour, Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jared Kushner being looked at by the special prosecutor, uh, Robert Mueller, I'm being told it has a lot to do with the online data analytics and social media engagement of the Trump campaign. I'm told that by sources uh, who would have reason to know and are familiar with the investigation uh, by the Mueller team. Uh, I'm also being told inside the White House there's growing angst over, um, not Mueller, over Kushner, and that people want to put a firewall between him and the president. That's been reported as much in the media, and it has a lot to do with this issue. Because there's a growing concern inside the White House that Jared Kushner may have on his own done things on the Trump campaign without letting the president know that could bring the president down or could harm the president. And Kushner is apparently, I'm told, now in save my own skin mode, even at the expense of the administration and its agenda. Now, there's another thing that the special prosecutor is looking into. Not just was a troll army built out of Russia uh, with dollars spent by the campaign off the books, but was Cambridge Analytica data shared with the Russians? Remember, Cambridge Analytics, they are the company founded by the Mercer family, the billionaire hedge fund guy, uh, that did detailed analytic studies of voters trying to drive out undecided voters who could swing for Trump, trying to find what would persuade voters to vote for Trump or persuade voters to stay home, what have you. And there's a question of whether or not that data was shared with the Russians so that the Russians, through this troll army, could micro-target people in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and elsewhere. That, to me, sounds like it's grasping at straws. I mean, just honestly, I, I I've experienced the other one. I've experienced the troll army. Uh, but that one seems to me to sound like it's grasping at straws. That, to me, essentially suggests that um, the Democrats are grasping at everything they can to explain Hillary Clinton losing, and they would rather believe that a group of Twitter trolls persuaded someone in Wisconsin to vote for Trump than pay attention to the fact that Hillary Clinton spent more time campaigning in Texas than she ever did going to Wisconsin. It sounds like excuse making, and I don't buy it. But I do reliably, am reliably told and do believe the sources that the Mueller investigators are looking at Kushner. And I don't think it's a coincidence now, knowing this, having had the conversations I've had, and no one I've talked to thinks it's a coincidence either, that it was Kushner's lawyers who notified the press about the Donald Trump Jr. emails. The New York Times and other media outlets have now confirmed that their sourcing came from Kushner's legal team. So think about that. Just for a minute, just just bear with me here. 
Jared Kushner's lawyers know that the Mueller investigators are looking at Kushner. It's been reported in the media. And then they know because they've been the subject of subpoenas. They've been the subject of questions by that team. So they know where the team is looking because they've been involved in the conversations with the Mueller team. So what do they do? They release a series of emails to the media and get stories written about Donald Trump Jr. meeting privately with Russians. And what does Donald Trump Jr. say initially about the meeting? Well, yeah, there were five of us or four of us there, he said. There were really eight. Jared Kushner was there, but he left early. So before we know that it's the Kushner team that has released the emails, Donald Trump Jr. has already essentially exonerated Jared Kushner, saying, well, he left early. He didn't stay for the meeting. Which, if you're a smart person, you would know that that was going to happen if you got up and left. I mean, it sounds more and more, and and this isn't me, this is people in the White House uh, who believe that Kushner is trying to throw everybody else under the bus to save himself. Now, again, I don't know whether that's Kushner's mindset or not. I do know where the special prosecutor is looking right now. We do know that Kushner released the information as to why he did it, what his motives are. I don't know. But here's the catch. And this works to Donald Trump Jr.'s benefit. You see, the left is screaming that a crime has been committed. And yet they also want you to believe that Donald Trump Jr. is an idiot. Much like the left, they want you to believe that the president is a diabolical genius and also that the president is an idiot. They want you to believe the same thing about Donald Trump Jr. There's a problem, though, because the law that they're saying Donald Trump Jr. violated, which is a campaign finance law, he received of material benefit something to aid the campaign from a foreign government, which is prohibited under campaign finance laws. He has to have knowingly intended to violate the law knowingly intended that's the standard so donald trump jr could have taken something of material value from the russians and not realized that he wasn't allowed to do that he he could have taken it and not realized that information was considered a poor, a part of campaign finance and required disclosure he may not have known that and if he did not know it, they can't charge him with a crime. It is almost an irrefutable standard. The only thing that could show that he did this is if there was a solid email chain, if there was a solid chain of conversations between Donald Trump Jr. and others, they possibly could. A buddy of mine just texted me, and he's right. It is an extremely difficult standard for a prosecutor to reach in this if they were to go with the case against Donald Trump Jr. For the prosecutor to be able to convince a jury that Donald Trump Jr. knowingly intended to violate the law. They're going to have to have a direct chain of evidence, a direct email chain, a direct email thread showing that he was warned by lawyers prior to the meeting that if he did this, it would be in violation of campaign finance law. Not that it could, not that maybe, not that it depends, but that it would violate the law. Otherwise, all Donald Trump Jr. has to say is, well, I didn't know it was going to violate the law. And suddenly the prosecutor can't convince him, convict him. But it is just interesting that as the prosecutors have been looking at Kushner. They're not even looking at the president. See, this is the thing that Democrats don't understand, is the Democrats are thinking that by looking at Kushner, they will drag the president out. I don't think so. Kushner's expendable. 
But the left is hanging their hat on silver bullet politics in the same way the right for years with Barack Obama hung their hat on silver bullet politics. There is no such thing as a silver bullet in politics. This one thing is not going to end this White House. And anyone who thinks so is delusional. It's 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. I didn't realize it was going to be a controversial thing to say yesterday. I really didn't. Um, but or not yesterday, Friday, that I watched Game of Thrones. The, the number of angry people uh, who have replied to me, you call yourself a Christian? Man, that always happens. You know, if I talk about bourbon, I get the same thing. Uh, the the product of, of, I guess, being in a heavily Southern Baptist area. I don't know. I've got a lot of Southern Baptist friends, including preachers who watch it. Now, James Piper, or John Piper had put out a thing several years ago about whether or not Christians should watch Game of Thrones. And, I mean, basically, it was structured in such a way that you couldn't help but arrive at the conclusion that, no, you shouldn't. And that was years ago. And i got to tell you, uh, I once on this here program referred to game of thrones as torture porn and I, my opinion of the show has changed as the show has changed uh, i was it was not an exciting premiere last night it really wasn't uh, it was necessary though to set up all the chess pieces for this year but i am actually more stunned with the angry people uh, mad at me for saying that i watch it i'm just i mean i'm telling you i i watch it i'm sorry if you don't like you don't have to watch it but i'm going to and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It is 10 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Uh, before I get to anything else, I need to advise you guys of a developing situation on the north side of the city with weather. Uh, slightly north of coming on 400 and around the Canton and Ball Ground area on 575. Uh, very strong storm. We don't have a severe thunderstorm warning right now. We do have a significant weather advisory. Uh, the closer you go towards Gainesville, and then let me see how many miles north of coming. Uh, looks like we got hail about nine miles north of coming between coming and Dawsonville. And then you got hail about six miles to the west of Gainesville. Uh, the Canton area, it's just some heavy rain. Uh, it's to the east of Canton, though, that you get the significant lightning in this storm on the south side of the city there really isn't anything other than some light rain around 75 and 285 uh, by the airport on the south side now before i move on to anything else uh the, we've got some people have called in about uh kushner one has remained on the line and so before i switch topics i want to go on and get to marty calling from villarica welcome marty how are you I'm doing well. How are you? Good. What, what do you think about this Kushner situation? Well, I wonder if it's if there's not a, a more sinister uh, alternative theory here. Jerry Kushner and his family are all big-time New York liberals. 
And do you think it could be part of a concerted effort on his part to undermine the administration, not just trying to save himself, but an actual effort to bring down somebody he doesn't really agree with on policy? I, you know, I don't know if only because um, as long as Trump is in the White House, he's got a cushy position with his uh, being married to Trump's daughter. Uh, it's very clear that he does not agree with the president on a lot of things. And to the extent that he's derailing the president's agenda, that's actually what I wanted to get to next is all of this is going on with Kushner. It is derailing the president's agenda across the board. Uh, we're not seeing health care uh, pass Congress. We're not seeing the president be able to engage on that. We're not seeing really anything. They've rolled a number of things back, and the president's done a lot through executive order. But the problem is that that's all temporary. If a Democrat gets elected, and a Democrat will eventually get elected again president, you're going to see a situation where all the things the president has undone by executive order or undone Barack Obama's executive orders can be redone. They need legislative wins, and right now the Republicans have delivered zero legislative wins, and the president is hindered so much by this investigation, largely because of Kushner, that he's not able to. So maybe so. Maybe Kushner is falling on the sword to prevent the president getting an actual conservative agenda passed. One way or the other, I do know that Kushner probably does need to be distanced from the president. Now, let's talk about this agenda. So Mitch McConnell has had to delay a vote on Obamacare. We can't even call it Obamacare repeal anymore. It's not a repeal. And in fact, word has come out, Ron Johnson, the senator from Wisconsin, has discovered, and he's raising the red flag on it, that behind the scenes... Mitch McConnell is telling people that all of the gains that conservatives have gotten from this legislation, uh, that they're going to make sure they're not able to be implemented. In other words, what they're going to do is they're going to put off all of the advancements of the conservative agenda, including the Cruz Amendment. Remember, the Cruz Amendment is the amendment by which um, we would ensure that people can opt out of the Obamacare exchanges. Here's Ron Johnson's quote uh, to the Wisconsin press. Many of us, one of the main reasons we're willing to support a bill that doesn't even come close to repealing Obamacare was because at least we were devolving the management back to the states, putting some level of sustainability into an unsustainable entitlement program. If our leader is basically saying, don't worry about it, we've designed it so that those reforms will never take effect, First of all, that's a pretty significant breach of trust, and why support the bill then? So Johnson is starting to go wobbly on this. And he's got legitimate reason to, because McCain, or not McCain, McConnell, while uh, John McCain is out having surgery, for those of you who haven't heard, he had a blood clot behind his eye, a very serious situation developed. He's had to have it removed uh, in a big surgery, and McConnell has been reassuring the liberal Republicans that they need not worry about these things because he will work to make sure that they never actually get implemented even though the law is passed. Now, I got to tell you what's going on here. He's really setting the conservatives up to fail. See, McConnell doesn't want Obamacare repealed. And he doesn't want Obamacare repealed because you got to understand the thing about McConnell is that he only does what's in his own best interest. He doesn't care about the Republicans. 
He does what's in his best interest. And Kentucky expanded Obamacare in the state when the Democrats were in charge. So if Obamacare is repealed, well, then it would have an upside-down effect on Kentucky, and that would hurt McConnell. So McConnell, as the leader of the Republicans, has to give lip service to repeal, but he doesn't really want it repealed. And what McConnell has a habit of doing is throwing the conservatives under the bus. So he will structure a deal that's acceptable to Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski and Dean Heller and the other liberal Republicans in the Senate, and he'll get enough votes and then say, oh, well, no, it's, it's Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson and Mike Lee and Rand Paul, and they're the problem. We could repeal Obamacare, but for the conservatives. It's what he does all the time. By design, they set it up so conservatives are the ones who have to say no, and conservatives are the ones who get blamed. I mean, you've already got conservatives in the House of Representatives saying if they will just include the Cruz Amendment, this will pass. The president supports the Cruz Amendment. But then that goes back to the prior caller. With the president being so off his game because of the Russia investigation and in a defensive position and unable to concentrate on anything other than the Russia scandal, the president's not able to twist arms and lobby people. He's having to send Mike Pence to do it, but there are some things the president himself needs to do, and the president's too distracted to be able to do it. That's a real problem. As a result, the president's agenda is sacrificed. We have not had Obamacare repeal. Even if they pass this, we're not going to have Obamacare repeal. We do not have tax reform. We do not have immigration controls. We do not have a wall on the border. We do not have a budget passed. We don't have any of the things the president said he could get done. And let's be clear here. At this point, it is not the president's problem. It is not the president's fault it's not it's the republicans in the house and the senate who on the campaign trail claim to be conservative but when they go to washington they don't want to actually vote that way they never thought donald trump would get elected so they never thought they could be held accountable for their conservative positions They thought they could go out on the campaign trail and claim to be conservative and then realize Hillary Clinton would be president and they would never actually have to do the stuff they said. Or they could do it knowing it would get vetoed so they could could solidify their conservative credentials without being conservative. Well, now push has come to shove. They control the House. They control the Senate. They control the White House. And all the things they said they would do, they can't do because they never really believed them in the first place. And they are now finally being exposed for the left-wing shills they are. It is 26 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Okay, let's switch gears out of, out of the radar for a minute and get back to other stuff. The Eugene Peterson is the pastor who wrote the message version of the Bible. And Eugene Peterson came out last Wednesday and said he's 84 years old, has written a new book, and then is headed into retirement. And a reporter who is gay, a religion reporter who is gay, pushed him on gay marriage. And this reporter has a big issue on gay marriage and thinks that it's compatible with Christianity. And Peterson said that if he were a pastor today, he would perform a gay marriage ceremony. 
and it blew up into a big deal. Lifeway, the Christian bookseller, threatened to pull his books if this was the case because you got to be have orthodoxy in your views to be sold at Lifeway. Lifeway was in attacked as being bigoted and homophobic for doing it. Well, Peterson came out two days later and clarified and said, you know, I, I have a hard time saying no. Uh, and I always try to say yes. This reporter asked me if I was a reporter today, would I do this? And I said yes, but I wouldn't. The 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 Bible is an errand and marriage is between a man and a woman. And, and now he's being savaged by the people who were praising him for two days. NBC ran this huge profile of him. Well, what a wonderful guy he is. And now even they're walking away from him because the guy stood up for biblical orthodoxy. It's crazy. It is 40 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. I noticed something today, and it wasn't just me. Stephen Miller, a a blogger, used to be at Heat Street. I don't know where he is right now. He noticed the same thing that, um, you know, Wonder Woman was going to be somehow the feminist superhero head of the resistance. The Handmaid's Tale, it's, it's the, the metaphor for the resistance. Last night, now, uh, a very mild uh, spoiler from last night's episode of Game of Thrones. You know, fair warning uh, for those of you who are listening to the show and haven't seen last night's episode yet. It is very minor, but nonetheless a spoiler. The beginning of the episode, uh, one of the Stark children, the Starks are the protagonist family, and the uh, youngest girl has become an assassin. And at the end of last year, she killed a man named Walter Frey, who had organized the murder of her mother and oldest brother at a wedding, no less. And last night, uh, disguised as Walter Frey, Arya Stark uh, murdered the rest of his family. And the head of the Center for American Progress tweeted out after that, Arya Stark, shouldn't she be the face of the resistance? Who's with me? And let's not forget that uh, they've also celebrated uh, Daisy Ridley from uh, Star Wars, the, the, the latest Jedi. Uh, they've compared Donald Trump to Voldemort, uh, you name it. And isn't it fascinating to me that the Democrats, instead of trying to connect to people, are connecting to fantasies that have people mass murder someone they don't like? I mean, Wonder Woman kills the bad guy. Let's make her the leader of the resistance. The Handmaid's Tale is the the women against the oppressive regime. Let's make them the symbol of the resistance. Arya Stark mass murders an entire family. Let's make her the symbol of the resistance. They, they, They want to make the symbols of the resistance these fictional heroes. They don't want to relate to people anymore. And they don't relate to you and me. And oh, by the way, so Charlie flagged this one for me on on Etsy now. You can buy a, nevertheless, she persisted, Elizabeth Warren devotional prayer saint candle. It is Elizabeth Warren with halo, dressed as if she is um, the Virgin Mary, the patron saint of holding Wall Street accountable. I kid you not. Oh, and look, there are more. There's the Kamala Harris one. There's the Hillary Clinton one as well. Ay ay ay. Uh there's also a Harambe one. <laughs> Harambe devotional prayer saint candle. Wow. 
Um, You know, maybe if they spent more time trying to relate to the people they've alienated instead of relating to fantasy fictional heroes, they might be doing better. There's polling out today that suggests that the overwhelming majority of Americans think all the Democrats stand for these days is that they're not Donald Trump. So uh, Josh Barrow, a writer at Business Insider, is is a little bit upset with, haunted by, as he calls it, a claim by Rich Lowry of National Review, that Democrats keep coming up short in elections because they don't have any, they won't give ground on cultural issues. And Barrow thinks that's not it. He thinks the country is headed towards the left, and I think they are too culturally. I think this country is headed towards the left, legalization of marijuana, abortion on demand, you name it. But they don't want to be guilted into certain choices, and they don't want to be made guilty over their current choices. I mean, take, for example, the Washington Redskins. How many liberals think you're a racist if you cheer for that team and use its name that they want you to feel guilty they have replaced religion with a secularism that has all the hallmarks of religion an inability to relate there are a lot of people in this country they're not particularly religious but they don't like it when someone demands that they support gay marriage now, there really is a, a nanny statism to Democrats that is increasingly offensive to people who just want to be left alone. They don't want to be mocked or vilified for their choices when a lot of people agree with them. But this polling that the Democrats only stand for not being Donald Trump right now, it's actually got the Democrats a little perturbed. They're trying to come out with an economic plan. They're trying to come out with something to relate to voters again. I would just say, for those of you nodding along, thinking that uh, this is terrible for the Democrats, that uh, they're they're only going to be known as not Donald Trump, and that's going to do nothing for them in the election next year, I would remind you that if you go back to 2010, all of the polling spelled disaster for Republicans because all they were known as being was against Barack Obama. And it turned out that was good enough for the GOP. It could very well be that just be not Trump is good enough for the Democrats this time. It is 6.54. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. Uh, Delta is fighting with Ann Coulter. That would be Delta Airlines. And, well, Ann Coulter, I guess I should say, is fighting with Delta. You know, Ann is someone who really needs prayer, folks. And I don't say that flippantly or lightly. She really does. Um, she was very much, well, you know, it started a couple of years ago with the, the missionaries who went to Africa, the medical missionaries, and one of them contracted Ebola, and she was very outraged that missionaries would go to Africa when there were people in this country suffering. Uh, She was very pro Chris Christie and then against him and then pro Donald Trump. And now she's turned against him and uh, she's alienated a number of friends, apparently. And now she's gone on this meltdown against Delta because she apparently had paid for a seat and then tried to move her seat. uh, And she paid extra thirty dollars for one of the economy comfort seats in Delta and then got moved uh, to a different seat. And it didn't have economy comfort. And yes, there was a mix up and an error. And the people at the gate did 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 make a mistake but she lashed out at them putting a picture up of the passenger even who had her seat that she expected to have and uh, savage the flight attendants uh, putting pictures up of people just really really awful now i can agree with ann that uh, when you pay for a seat you expect to have that seat particularly if you want the extra leg room because you're so crammed in these delta flights these days i get it's annoying 
but just the the anger and rage about this putting up the picture of the passenger who wound up with her seat uh, and then continuing, and I also agree with her about the terrible Wi-Fi in Delta. I hope if, if one of you executives from Delta is listening right now, your go-go in-flight um, Wi-Fi is just awful. But none of it warranted this multi-day tirade from Coulter. Now, according to Delta, and booked seat 15F on a flight. On the aircraft operating that, at 15F was located by a window in an emergency exit row. The airline said Coulter changed her seat to 15D, which was an aisle within 24 hours of the flight. Now, the mix-up that set off the tweed storm came at the time Delta was boarding, and they moved her to 15A, a window seat, just like she had originally booked. Uh, she didn't lose any extra leg room. Uh, she still had the same row she was on. None of that. She just had to be window instead of aisle. And she had originally booked a window. And then she had this meltdown. It's just absolutely hysterically unhinged. Uh, shame to see somebody just so lacking self-awareness these days as Coulter. She needs some prayer.